Did you know that a new group of sisters are in the first steps of forming a new religious community right here in Oregon? This year, the Sisters of the Little Way of Beauty, Truth, and Goodness have moved to our local area, and they are pursuing a very important mission in our church. This is Sarah Kinsey with Mater Day Radio, and I am so excited this morning to speak with Sisters Maria Kim, Sister Teresa Alethea, and Sister Danielle Victoria. Welcome, sisters. It's just wonderful to have you here. Thank you so much. It's so good to be here. It's great to be here. Uh, It's just a wonderful day. We've been looking forward to doing this interview for a while. And I started seeing all three of you around earlier this year. I think it was the summertime. Uh, Maybe first it was at a Young Catholic Professionals event. But then we just kept running into each other (laughs) and all the different different Catholic things in the area. And I remember that you came to an event that Mater Dei Radio did out at Lady Hill Winery. And I just thought it was so fun. My family got to sit with you and Bishop Steiner, and they just loved uh, spending time with you. And we're just we're just so grateful to have you here in our local area. Sister Maria Kim, I'll ask you first, how are you liking it here? Oh, I'm, we're so delighted to be here. Yeah, I've just been so, I've been edified by the Church of Portland. It's, um, mm. it's so warm. I don't, I didn't really didn't know what to expect coming here. I just think of like Portland as a big city. Right. In my previous community, I was stationed in big cities. And I don't know, I just found that sometimes in like city folk are, they tend to be like, busy Mm -hmm. and busy about their own things. But I have found the Catholics in Oregon are pretty tight knit and like a family. Everybody knows everybody. They care about one another. Mm -hmm. And it's been kind of interesting to to see that many um, people in Portland have um, kind of farming roots. Yes. And I feel like that gives a particular flavor to the pace of life of the Catholics here. Um, people really take time to get to know each other and to help each other. And I've been so evangelized by the people here. Oh, that's wonderful you say that. And I, you know, I've never thought about it that way, but I'm from a farming family too. A lot of my friends and, and families are as well. And I, but I never really thought about that impacting like our pace of life. But I, I think you're right. Even the Catholics that didn't grow up on a farm, I think they're still very like very down to earth. And like you said, it's just a big family. We all kind of get to know each other and it's a small community. It's a small Catholic world, but that's a beautiful thing. I I just really love that as well. So thanks for pointing that out. (laughs) You're welcome. So a lot of people maybe aren't familiar with with you as um, as the Sisters of the Little Way yet. So I guess we'll kind of just jump right in. Uh, Sister Danielle, I know this is a big question, but this is a brand new religious order that's in the process of being formed right now. So can you share for our listeners who don't know anything about you how it is that the Sisters of the Little Way really came about. Sure. Wow. In the mind of God, <laughs> uh, like a mystery to us was this journey. For all of us, we were a part of another religious community for many years. Self 10, Sister Maria Kim for 20 years, and sort of oh. Sister Teresa Lathia, 12. And we really thought that we would spend forever. I was in my um, junior it, so I had made my first vows, and the same with Sister uh, Teresa Lathia and Sister Maria Kim was in her perpetual vows. And all of us made those vows with the intent of forever. Mm-hmm. It was written in our vow formula. Um, so the Holy Spirit worked in each of our lives 
very uniquely and individually bringing about this charism. We knew each other and we had worked closely together in our apostolate. And as we began to hear and see this resonance of what the Lord was doing, it became more and more clear that the Lord was not just calling us out of something, but into himself in a deeper way, Mm. into relationship with him in a new and mysterious way. And so it really took a lot of courage to take that step into kind of the darkness of what it was that he was calling us into, but it was, it was becoming more and more clear. So we were all working together very deeply in our apostolic work in our previous community. And this growing desire was shared among us to reach those who were furthest from the church. And we were Mm. realizing that our work was really kind of preaching to the choir. It was really staying within the pond of those who are in the pews or those who were catechized. And there were moments where our work was able to get to um, larger audiences or people who were away from the church. And you could see the longing and the desire Mm -hmm. for it. And so that desire, that desire to reach those who are furthest, feel furthest from God's love, those who maybe aren't necessarily interested mm-hmm. in the message that you have to communicate, like that aren't really looking for the gospel or even maybe disillusioned by the example of those who have been proclaiming the word of God, right? Require a different organization of your resources and the way in which you communicate that message really matters, that it has to be relevant to their experience and it has to have, um, it has to be beautiful. It has Mm -hmm. to be captivating and it has to speak to the pain also that and acknowledge um, the reasons why people are away from the church. And so that desire to to reach a group of people who maybe aren't necessarily interested in what we have to say was was growing. And then also that along with it, recognizing that there's a need to acknowledge the sins of the abuse crisis and Mm -hmm. how that unfolded and the scandal that that has caused. And there's really a need for healing there. There's a need for reparation and repentance for those things. And that has to be a message that's not just compartmentalized and said on the side, Mm -hmm. but that is integrated in all we do. And Jesus is saving forgiveness, you know, that that is extended to us. We need not be afraid of of our own mistakes, Mm -hmm. of, of the ways we have mishandled things or the people who have been hurt by our actions but we should have courage in Jesus Christ that we can face those head on and that he will release his healing power through that. Wow. So as as you all have been kind of discerning this mission, Sister Maria Kim, how how have you seen that kind of develop and where are things as a group you've seen that we really need to focus on that, that maybe we're missing right now? Yeah, thanks for that question. I think as we've started to step into this space of receiving a charism from the Lord, we've thought about what is the urgent need of evangelization of our day. Okay. And we're thinking about our own family members that have left the church. I have people that are very dear to me that were even in ministry circles and they've they've left the church and it doesn't seem like they're coming back. Mm. And I've also thought about how we live in the time right now where 
like let's say 20 years ago when I first entered a religious community, people spoke about people leaving the church, but they spoke about it in such a way that they thought, oh, they'll come back for the sacraments. They'll come back for their marriage. They'll come back to baptize their kid or for a funeral. But I think that right now we're living in a time where people have left the church and they are not even thinking about the church for those, you know, high moments in their life Mm -hmm. anymore. And as we kind of considered that, why is that? We asked those kinds of questions. We realized that there is an elephant in the room um, when we speak about evangelization. Why is it difficult to propose belonging to the Catholic Church in our day? I think one of the most simple answers to that, that might be the majority of the answer, is that there is this elephant in the room. It's the sex abuse scandal that first developed in, you know, at the beginning of 2002 with Mm -hmm. the Boston Globe article, and then again with Theodore McCarrick. But in those cases, and then the Pennsylvania grand jury report, et cetera, in those cases, I think that people in the pews, you and I, normal people, we want to see our leaders stepping out there and taking a lead and saying, I am sorry, I know that I represent Jesus Christ, who is love and mercy. Right. Um, And, and and I think that that's, I think that's what we've been discovering is the new evangelization has to begin with an attitude of sobriety, of humility and repentance. Wow. That's very powerful. And, and, and I think you're right. That's so needed. It's like, you know, and here at Mater Day Radio, we're all about sharing the good news, but, but if we're missing that elephant in the room, like you said, we were not going to be very effective at at bringing people in and at inviting them in. Sisters, this is just such an important conversation, uh, but we are coming up against our break. Will you stay with us and we'll continue our conversation um, in the next half hour? Of course. And we are back with the Sisters of the Little Way. I have here in studio Sister Maria Kim, Sister Danielle, and Sister Teresa. Uh, Thank you all so much for staying with us uh, during this really important conversation. So Sister Teresa, uh, I want to ask you, you know, as you have continued to discern where the Lord is leading all of you in this, you know, first steps of starting this new religious community, where did the Lord lead you in terms of, of what your mission is really going to be? And and also, how how did you end up here in Portland? Yeah, as we all started to feel called to those who are on the fringes of the church, we felt like the Lord had a special love for those who have been abused or wounded or scandalized by members of the church. When you think about that third verb, scandalized, that really includes all Catholics. Right. Um, people have just been very impacted by everything that has happened in the in the waves of the abuse crisis. And so as we thought about those things, we were asking the Lord to really lead us to a bishop who would understand that mission mm-hmm. and feel a personal call related to that mission. And we also wanted to be in an area that would be full of people on the fringes of the church. And yeah. if you think about Portland, 49% are unaffiliated, non-affiliated with any religion. And so that was um, that was actually an attraction for us because wow. those are our people and we feel connected to them in, in, in a special way. And so as we asked around and asked people which bishop might be a good fit for us, mm-hmm. Archbishop Sample's name came up several times. We started to look into things that he had said around the abuse crisis mm-hmm. and he wrote a really powerful letter 
after the Pennsylvania grand jury report came out. And to us, the way that he spoke about the necessity for not just reparation, but for institutional changes Mm -hmm. to really look deep and not to just institute programs, but to ask ourselves what went wrong here Mm -hmm. and how can we work to address these root issues? We felt like he was someone who got that. And so that's why we approached him. And when we approached him and explained that to him and also said, you know, one of the reasons we want to come here is because 49% of the people of Portland are unaffiliated. He just kind of laughed and said, wow, that's why most people don't want to come right, here. You know? Right. <laughs> so. Well, I, I kind of had the same thought. I, I was just was like, wow, most of the people I talk to when they say you're from Portland, like, oh man, like, how are you Catholic there? But for you, that was an attraction. And I, I, I think that's so beautiful though, that, and something I think we can all maybe adjust our thinking a little bit. I think sometimes in our Catholic circles, we we just say, oh, woe is us. Like, this is so difficult. And I mean, it is sometimes, yeah. but but it's an opportunity. It's yeah. an opportunity to to reach out to those people. And, and especially, you know, in the way that you're talking about and recognizing, you know, the hurts that people have and, and the ways mm-hmm. that they've been, you know, maybe alienated from the church. And I'm so grateful that you felt that connection with Archbishop Sample and that he was able to welcome you here because I think it is it is so needed here. And, you know, we've had our own struggles as well here, um, you know, with the abuse crisis as well. And, and that's something that, you know, many people, it, it's in their mind as well. So uh, we're just grateful that that you're all here in this area. It's interesting to hear someone from here speak about the community and how it is um, difficult or even what that experience is like, because as um, someone observing it, it's actually a very rich Catholic mm-hmm. community. And it seems because it's been formed kind of rubbing up against the culture, there's something really human that's coming out of the Catholic community here that is really beautiful and maybe not so self-aware because you're immersed in it. And I think that's something about those who we feel called to draw near to. Yes, we feel called to bring Jesus Christ to everyone, Mm -hmm. but we also have a need for these people who we feel called to be near because we Mm. see Jesus Christ Mm. in them. And in a way, Jesus makes himself known to us through their reasons of being away from the church for, right. through their pain and suffering mm. and wounds. I mean, our wounds and weakness are the portal that Christ comes. He comes to us little oh, wow. and small and he was wounded for our sins. Right. And so in a way we come to our Lord wounded on the cross and they have something really important to share with us. And I think maybe as a Catholic community here, you've heard that cry. Mm. And you know something Mm -hmm. of it. And it's not just that it's hard to be Catholic in the workforce and and like those are real struggles. But it's also that there's something in that tension that's so important to be engaged in that you can't escape it. And so it calls you into your Catholicity to incarnate Christ and, and somewhere very sincere and genuine in who you are. Otherwise, you won't be able to be authentic in those spaces. So... I think there's something really beautiful that gets worked out in the kind of the tension of that that also draws draws us here into this space and and it's a threshing floor. I think that that's really needed. I think a lot of people are, are missing mission through mm-hmm. their baptism and realizing it's not just about doing, but it's about being who you are right. in relationship with others and it's that relationship 
that is the the cross in which we bring people to Christ, you know, like that by being in relationship with those who are other than us, Mm -hmm. you know, and we find Christ. So there's something even in that um, tension for us that's charismatic and how we're called to evangelize, but to discover the resonance of Christ in people's lives when they maybe don't even know it, Mm -hmm. that it's him sitting with Mm -hmm. them in the darkness or wherever they are. And, and to realize that like, maybe I'm a part of what's put them there, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and to bend low to say, what word do you have for me? Um, You know, like what it's a, it's a call to deep uh, contemplation and reflection um, an examination of our own consciences mm-hmm. to be in relationship with those who have real s- struggles with the church. Wow, that's so powerful. I, I guess I never thought of it quite in that way of we are finding Christ in those wounds almost. Yeah, those areas that maybe we or, or others have been hurt or maybe pushed away from the church. Like sometimes Christ is speaking through that. He's revealing something about himself that was missing in the way that someone experienced the church. Something was not lining up there with how Christ is. Yeah, and just being but being close to people and, and having that relationship. I mean, I can tell that you've all been taking this so seriously through this very intense process. And it sounds like it's been, you know, difficult in, in some ways. And but but you've also really discovered this, this beautiful charism. I am speaking with the Sisters of the Little Way this morning, and we're hearing about um, just their discernment of their mission um, and their their first steps into forming a religious community here in Oregon. Sister Maria Kim, I wanted to ask you, how do you see this mission that you're all sharing about so beautifully look like for you practically? You know, what? how will you be spending your time in that mission? Or, or is that something that you're still kind of working out? Yeah, you know, in a large way, we're still kind of working out the practical um, incarnation, I guess Mm -hmm. you would say, of this charism that's been given. And the wonderful thing is that Jesus is a really good teacher, you know, and he teaches by the way he lives. And so as we contemplate like God's preference, you know, we think about how um, he has a preference for the one that was lost among the 99, Mm -hmm. you know. He has the preference for those people that know themselves to need God. So, you know, a sick person knows that they need God. And Jesus says, I'm the physician. You know, a, a person who's well doesn't need a physician, but the sick do. And I've come for that for that person. Sure. So we are doing uh, quite a bit, even though we don't know concretely what our mission will concretely look like. But there's so much work involved in <laughs> establishing a religious community. It's sure. kind of ridiculous. <laughs> so so right now we're, we're taking classes. We're taking two formal classes in preparation for uh, spiritual direction. Oh, so, wow. Okay. Yeah. So we're just getting um, certificates or, or a degree in it. We're taking classes informally with two theologians that are friends of ours. So, okay. And two men very much led by the Holy Spirit. And they're, in a way, they have a, a great gift of picking books that are very formative. So we've been working with them. And then we have our own personal work. And then we've been doing a lot of kind of structural things to kind of um, establish ourselves as, for example, like a 501c3. Sure. You know, <laughs> and uh, learning all, about grant writing. <laughs> all the really thrilling stuff. That's, right. <laughs> we know about that here, too. <laughs> 
not glamorous, but it has to be done. Yeah. Yeah. And people have been so generous, um, especially the people in the Banks, Roy, um, that area, oh. our three parishes. They're they're so supportive. They're like family. And some of them are giving us advice about, you know, how to do really practical things. And although we're between the three of us, we have lots of gifts. There's so much to learn in, in establishing a religious community. So we need a lot of help. I'm glad, though, that that community is there to support you. And for those that don't know, you're staying out in Roy right now. Is that correct? Yes, we're at St. Francis of Assisi. Awesome. And I know I know Bishop Steiner really loves having you all there. He, he talks about you all <laughs> constantly. Sister Teresa, as you've kind of been going through these formal processes. I'm sure many people will be very interested about, you know, some of those steps. I know, uh, I think I ran into you all at the Rosary Bowl and I saw that you had your new habits and especially your beautiful new blue. They're almost, almost a teal uh, veil. And that was a big step, but can you share about kind of those, some of those big steps that happened for you this fall? Yeah, that's really something that we have had to learn what that really involves. So sometimes people say, well, I don't really understand what is a private association? What exactly are you doing? I mean, our response is, well, we just recently figured this out, sort of, and we're still trying to figure (laughs) it out. So, So technically, you know, we left our religious order and our two of us let our vows expire. And Sister Maria Kim had to get dispensation because she was perpetually professed. And so we were technically without vows. And as a private association, which is the very first step in becoming a religious community, you take private vows. And so we asked Archbishop Sample if he would be able to be there. He technically doesn't receive our vows. We're learning all these technicalities. (laughs) It's very interesting. Very complicated. Yeah. Yeah. But it it is important for us to to understand and to communicate to people that we're really not an established religious order. We're not technically, you know, like a Dominican. Sure, where we are at the very first stages. But we are really grateful and blessed that we have been welcomed by Archbishop Sample. That we have been able to take private vows. We did that on September 22nd, which is the first day of the novenas to St. Therese. Oh, beautiful. Which it just happened to be that Archbishop Samples, like, I'm available on this day. And, and oh. we're like, what day is that? Is that a special day? <laughs> and then we realized that that was the first day of the novena to, to Therese. So, yeah, so we're on the beginning of a very long road. It isn't necessarily going to end in becoming mm-hmm. a religious order. That doesn't necessarily happen with these kinds sure. of things. But we're seeing what the Lord, what the Lord does, and we're trying to follow His will. Well, and I, I mean that's what any of us can do. We're, we're trying to stay faithful and follow where the Lord's calling us, and um, you know, and and through that journey, that's where we where we discover where He's leading. And sometimes we're not quite sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a lot um, of uncertainty. Yeah. Well, and, you know, know that all of us, though, here at the radio station, we're all praying for you. We want to support you as, as much as we can. And uh, sister, in terms of how other people can can be part of of supporting you, how, how can our community support you? Yeah. If you go to our website, sistersofthelittleway.com, you'll find a page that will tell you different ways that you could support us. The biggest way that people could support us is with their prayers, especially for the people that we serve, because we just have a really delicate mission Mm -hmm. and people who are greatly in need of being heard and understood. And and we will also want to raise these voices up so that the church can hear them, because we believe that they are really important voices to be heard. So to pray for that mission is 
the biggest help that we could possibly ask for it from anyone. And we also just want to assure anyone who is listening that we are praying for you, especially if you are struggling with something that has made you to feel like your faith is challenged. We're with you in, in that discouragement and even in that despair. And we are your spiritual sisters, and we ask that you pray for us too. Thank you, sister. That that was just beautiful. And uh, we'll make sure that, that we're praying for all of those that, that you are all wanting to serve. And we will be sure to keep you all in our prayers. And uh, we will also link to your website on the podcast of this episode. Uh, so make sure to check that out. And you can follow along with what all of the sisters of The Little Way are doing. And once again, thank you all so much for being with us this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much.